Well, uh, thanks for joining us today. I, uh, I hope you've been in touch with somebody this morning, that you've uh, called them, texted them, uh, emailed them, let them know that you, you love them, you miss them, you're, you're, you're praying for them. Uh, right now, it looks like we're going to be doing this uh, through the month of April. So uh, hang in there. We're going to get through it all as a, as a group. Uh, I got to thinking this morning uh, that, you know, we, I feel like we've neglected the kids a little bit in through some of this. So uh, let me talk to the kids just for a, for a minute or so. Uh, kids, let me give you something to do this week. Uh, let me encourage you to find somebody that you can uh, color a picture for or maybe uh, text somebody or call them or do a video thing or, or do something for somebody, particularly somebody who's maybe older. Uh, maybe it'll, it's a, a grandparent. Uh, maybe it's a, a neighbor, somebody in a nursing home. But let me encourage you to learn through times like this to not just focus on yourself, but to focus on doing something for somebody else. Because that, that's an important lesson for all of us. And uh, as adults, listen, we're all learning to uh, adapt to things here. Uh, let me encourage you, if you're not on our email, please get on our email list. That's our primary way of communicating with our church family through this time. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, changes, a lot of things that uh, we're adapting to. Uh, we've been working this week trying to get the, some things knocked out with the video. Uh, we had our well go out at the church this week, so uh, we've got a guy coming in on Monday to uh, pull that and, and see get that pump fixed. Uh, like you, we've kind of just adapting as things go along. Um, Josh ended up actually having drill this weekend, so uh, we're trying something different even this morning with the video part of it. So Cooper's helping me out. He actually, we actually came up here and recorded this on Saturday so that uh, tomorrow we can go live and try to fix some of the problems that we had yesterday or last week with the, the video and audio uh, together. So hopefully we're getting all that fixed out, fixed and worked out. So thanks for uh, being patient with us through all of that. Uh, I know it's tough. And... Um, I know during times like this, there's just a lot of stuff. So one of the things that, as we've been learning, encouraged to do is to, is to pray. So uh, let's take a, a minute or two here and, and start our, our, our time together with prayer. So let's pray. Lord, uh, thanks. It, it's really hard right now for a lot of folks. Lord, there are financial issues, health issues. There's worry, depression, fear, anxiety, so many things that we're dealing with. And Lord, we thank you that you have gotten us this far, and we just ask your continued hand in each of our lives. Lord, we ask you to physically heal those that are, that are struggling, that are having a, a difficult time. Lord, for those that have uh, been hit with this, Lord, would you physically heal them? Lord, we ask that you'd guide uh, for our leaders, for people who are making decisions, for businessmen and women who have uh, tough choices to make. Lord, for our people who are on the front lines of this with nurses and doctors and healthcare workers, would you continue to protect them? And Lord, for those that are watching this morning, Lord, would you just calm our hearts? We would take the next few uh, minutes and time together, Lord, to just uh, speak to our hearts. May we apply the things that you impress upon our hearts. And Lord, for those who may not know you, they may not have that personal relationship, Lord, may today be a day that becomes really life-changing for them as well. And Lord, when all of this is said and done, Lord, we want you to be honored, uh, glorified. We all want to be drawn closer to you and uh, closer to one another. These things we ask in your name.
Amen. Uh, again, we're learning to adapt. So this week I was trying to think of something I think would encourage your heart. So I called Greg Schink and I said, hey, Greg, would you be willing to come up and uh, let us uh, record, record you singing and uh, put it on for Sunday? And he was more than willing to do that. So uh, at this time, I'm going to let Greg minister to you in song. What friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. I appreciate Greg uh, doing that for us. I know it's a blessing to your heart as it was to uh, mine. Um, we are in the last lesson of our series on being anxious for nothing. Uh, we started this journey about five weeks ago, and uh, normally, if you're following in a book and the study guide and the small groups, we would have ended last week. But I wanted this morning to go to the next verse and, and talk about that. So uh, we're going to go one more week, and then next week, of course, we'll do... Um, our Easter uh, service. So if you've been with us, uh, you kind of know the history and, and, and the background, but for those of you that are just joining us, I want to kind of go through a quick, short review 
Um, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast platforms, or you can go back and uh, watch them on uh, YouTube. And um, it'll give you a little bit of background. We talked about the idea that Paul writes in Philippians to the church at Philippi, and he's trying to encourage them. And one of the things that Paul does is he's in prison, he's going through a difficult time, but he writes to these people to help them through their difficult time. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us a series of things that he talks about. And so one of the first things that he says is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, we talked about the idea that this, we let this area of the platform represent the world. And the reality of it is, each one of us is in the world, so we experience all the things that the world experiences. Uh, the Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Uh, Jesus said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we shouldn't believe that as a Christian we're exempt from dealing with stuff that the world deals with. Um, the Bible says that we're going to go through everything the world goes through. But the difference is we have a resource that the world does not have. So when Paul's writing to Christians, he says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And we let our tent over here illustrate this idea that even though I'm in the world, even though I'm going to experience the storms of the world, the beauty of it is as a believer, as a child of God, I have the shelter, the refuge of God always over me. So I have a place to come, I have a place to go to be able to handle the stuff that the world has and throws my way. And then we talk, Paul talks about the idea of, he says, now you rejoice, and then he says, let your moderation be made known unto everyone because the Lord is at hand. He talks about the idea of let your gentleness be made known unto all. In other words, as you're living out here and people see your life, I want people to see you as, as a person who is calm, who is reasonable. I want people to see you as having a, a sense of security that the world doesn't have. And you and I can do that because as he talks about, it's the idea that the Lord is near. And so Paul says you need to remember that. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And Paul says, one of the ways to help you out here is to understand that you have this, but you also have the issue of prayer. And so I let our trash can illustrate this idea of prayer. And I explain the idea that, that often taking our request to God is much like in, in, in what I do in my house in taking out the trash. When I have something I need to get rid of, I take it out, I put it in the trash can, it goes out to the garage, the trash guy comes and on Thursday morning and hauls it away. So I, I don't think about it anymore. I turn it over to God. That's what Paul's saying. We take our requests, we take our petitions, we take things that are concerning them, and we turn them over to God. But what so many of us do is we say, I pray about it, but the reality of it is we pull it out of the trash can and we carry it around all week or for months or some cases years. Because we're not convinced that the, the person is going to handle it the way we want the, it handled. And so often it's easy for us to carry all of that stuff around. And Paul said no, that you, you put your, Peter said it this way, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And Paul said, you pray with the idea of thanksgiving, you let your request be known unto God. You let God take care of it and deal with it. And then we talked about the idea that what God does at that point, and we let a USB stick illustrate that. 
God then says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds content. And we talked about the idea that what God offers us is peace. When we learn to trust him with our problems and our issues and our worries and our concerns and our fears, he then offers us the peace of God, the same peace that Jesus Christ had when he was on this earth. But the problem is we have to access it. We have to rely on it. We have to depend on it. We have to download it, so to speak. And Paul said, one of the ways that you do that is you be careful about what you think about. And so Paul gives us this long list. And he says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, virtuous, um, praiseworthy, lovely, uh, think on those things. And I used last week, I had a bubble machine up here. And I used the illustration that we have so much stuff coming into our lives that what happens is it's easy for us to just be overwhelmed by all of it, much like what's happening in the media right now. And we talked about the importance of setting up filters. We talked about the importance of saying, okay, the only things that I'm going to let through are things that are going to be true, honest, just, praiseworthy, the things that are going to help me physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And it's so important in, in, in a situation, particularly like we're in right now, that we have to filter out that which comes in in order to be able to process in a healthy way that which is God is doing. And uh, normally, our study would have ended there. But I wanted to take it to the next verse because I think the next verse really, really helps us as we go to this. And here's what Paul said. In Philippians chapter 4, he continues on to say this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And we come back to this idea again, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, this is a bold statement. Here's what Paul said. He said, now, let me, now that we've talked about all of this stuff, let me sum it up for you. Paul said, here's what you need to do. You need to look at my life. You need to do what I did. You need to act like I acted. You need to say what I said. You need to handle it like I handled it. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty bold statement of these people to go, well, who do you think you are to say, look, you know, just follow me. If you really want to handle this, you just do it the way I did it. And the reason we don't understand why, the, why Paul was able to say this is because so many of us don't know the backstory to the book of Philippians. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to go back to the beginning at Philippi. And I want us to understand the backstory so that as we go forward, we can understand this idea of why Paul was able to say, hey, here's how you handle it. You handle it the way that I handled it. So um, if, if you have a Bible, I want you to eventually take some time, go to Acts chapter 16, read the whole story. Um, it's the story about Paul as he comes to Philippi for the first time. Uh, Paul actually is on his second missionary journey. He and Silas go to, a, go to Philippi. Um, here's what you need to know about Philippi. A um, hundred years before they got there, uh, the people at Philippi had helped one of the Roman emperors. And in so doing, the Roman emperor rewarded them by making Philippi a Roman colony. So basically, Philippi was considered a mini little Rome uh, in that area. They had all the rights and privileges of Roman citizens. So because of that, it was a very, very unique town. So 
they had this whole concept with this idea of, you know what, we are basically like a mini Rome. <clears throat> the problem is, Philippi had very little godly influence. It was primarily a pagan city. Um, in fact, here's how we know this. Um, if you want the, the Jewish world, if you wanted to establish a synagogue in a city, you had to have 10 male men in order to establish a synagogue. If you had less than 10 male men in a city, then the Jewish tradition, the Jewish theology was this. You were to meet at the river and to pray. That's how you could continue to worship God. But as far as the synagogue goes, you, get, you had to have 10 men. When Paul gets to Philippi, he goes to the river. And when he goes to the river, one of the people that he meets is a woman by the name of Lydia. So Paul meets with Lydia. Uh, she comes to know Christ. Her family comes to know Christ. Paul continues to go to the river. And so I want to pick up the story. And again, I'm just going to hit verses from time to time uh, in, in the story of Acts. But there's a lot in between, so I want to encourage you to go back and read it for yourself. So here's what he says in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, out, he went outside the city gate to the river, where he expected to find a place of prayer. He sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathered there. So what happens is, Paul goes out, he speaks to these women, they continue to learn and they continue to grow and they continue to to become believers. And in the process of that, as you read on in the story, here's what you're going to find happens. A teenage girl starts to follow them. And she starts to cry out, these men are men of God. Listen to them, listen to them, listen to them. The problem was, um, she was a pagan. She was not a true follower of Jesus Christ. Um, she actually had ties to the occult. And so people were using her in order to make money off of her, and this was a way to make money. So at some point, what happens is Paul and Silas decide they need to deal with this issue. So Paul casts the demon out of her. She then becomes a Christian and then starts following Christ and has nothing to do with her previous life. We call that repentance. <laughs> well, the problem with that is the people who were in charge of her started losing money. And they didn't like that. So they went to the city officials and said, we need you to deal with these people because these people are anti-Rome. Basically, they were hurting their business. And the way it was set up during this time is Rome only dealt with big stuff. Rome left it up to the cities to deal with the city stuff. So Rome didn't care what you did as long as it didn't get up to Rome and it wasn't an issue that Rome had to deal with. So they come to the magistrates, they get the magistrates all riled up, and then here's what the passage says. It goes on to say this. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now, lest you misunderstand what happened here, um, what would happen is they would take um, a set of sticks, uh, birch or elm, they would bind them up, and they would beat them. And this was an incredibly difficult, harsh punishment. Uh, sometimes they would actually uh, take the person and, and, and hold them up by their feet and beat the bottoms of their feet until their feet were, actually had broken the bones on their feet. 
So it was an incredibly painful thing. It was an incredibly humiliating thing. Now, here's the, here's the issue that we're not going to find out until the end of the story. Uh, Paul was a Roman citizen. And Rome said, you can do whatever you want in your city, but you can't touch Roman citizens without our approval. So at any point, Paul could have stopped and said, hey, guys, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do this to me. But Paul doesn't. We'll talk about why at the end. So what happens is they beat them, they throw them into prison. Now, at this point, you have to understand they are in incredible pain. First of all, they got beaten because they did what was right, because they were serving God. They get beaten, they get thrown into prison, and the prisons there were not like our prisons today. Prisons there were dark dungeon kind of places, uh, not, not anything pleasant, not anything um, that anyone would want to be a part of. And so they're thrown into prison, um, and yet here they are, they've done what's right. So my question is, what would your attitude be? I mean, you, they serving God and all of this bad stuff starts happening to them. Notice what happened. Um, the text goes on to say, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So here they are, they're in prison, they're beaten, they're in pain, they're having difficult times, everything is hard. And what do we find Paul and Silas doing? They are singing, praising God. And the other prisoners think they have lost their mind until it happens. The Bible says that there's an earthquake, the doors are rattled, and all of the prison doors come open. And it says the shackles fall off, and so all of the prisoners are now free. Everybody can make a beeline out of there. And all of a sudden now, this has happened. So it's like, okay, God's delivering them. They need to run. They need to run. And they stay. And all of the other prisoners stay as well. Now, the, the Philippian jailer who's in charge of these people wakes up, and he's actually ready to take his life because in that day, if you were in charge of somebody and you didn't do your job, then you, you lost your life because you were responsible for these people. So the jailer is absolutely panicked now uh, because as far as he's concerned, his life is over. He's ready to take his life. He's ready to commit suicide. And notice what the text says. It goes on, and the story says this. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and felt trembling before Paul and Silas. He's scared to death. He then brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, some people just say, look, he's just trying to spare his life. No, no, no. I think this jailer had been so overwhelmed and pressed by the way these guys were responding that he realized that he needed what they had. And notice what he said. He says, sir, what must I do to be saved? How can I have what you have? I, don't, I couldn't go through what you went through and handle it the way you handle it. How can I have that? Let your moderation be known unto all men. And notice what Paul says. Paul looks at him and says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And at this point, his whole household has started getting, and Paul said, in your household too, because notice what it says. It says, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. So they have this group of people now, and, and he's, he talks to them from this idea, and he says, look, that's what you need to understand. You need to Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Notice what it goes on to say. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Up until this point, their wounds had been cleaned out. Um, 
They've just been thrown into the dungeon. And it says, and he immediately, or, and washed his wounds, then immediately he and all his household were baptized. They said, look, guys, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They said, look, we're all in. We want everyone to know this. Will you baptize us? And he said, yeah, I will. Yeah, let's. And so in the midst of their pain and difficulty, and, and I imagine that would have been incredibly painful even to do that because these guys were hurting. And then it says, the jailer brought them into his house and he sat a meal before them. He actually brings these beaten, bloodied prisoners into his house. He makes a meal for them. And notice it says, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. So you see now this incredible story. Now here's what's ironic is we know that at some point the jailer takes them back to prison. And so he takes care of them through the night like that, treats them, and then he says, I'm sorry, guys, but i got to take you back. So they go back to prison. And then notice what happens the next day. It says, the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. And the peace of God, which passes. See, they thought they were giving them peace by releasing them. The reality is the peace of God had sustained them all the way through this entire ordeal. And the magistrates come and say, you guys can go now. You know, we, we've made our statement to the, the people. And then, at this point now, Paul steps up. And Paul said, um, we're not leaving. Because you beat a Roman citizen without approval from Rome. Now, at this point, the magistrates are terrified because the Roman law taught that if they had done that to a Roman citizen, then that is what would be done to them. So they would have been stripped and beaten with rods in front of everybody as well. And so these guys are just petrified at this point. But Paul, he doesn't push this thing. He just simply says, if you want us to leave, you bring the magistrates down here and you let them march us and walk with us out of the city so everybody knows we didn't do anything wrong. And the magistrates come down and they march them out of the city and Paul and Silas actually end up going back to Lydia's house, have some meal, encourage the believers there, and then they leave and go on in their missionary journey. And so you see this incredible story played out. So like I say, I really want to encourage you, um, go back, read Acts chapter 16 so you get all the little uh, pieces and nuggets and, 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 and things that I... I have in there. So now, let's talk about years later. Because what happens now is Paul, when he's writing to the church of Philippi, says this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what I did. You see, all the people at Philippi knew this story. All the people at Philippi knew. These were guys who were beaten, and yet they sang. They could have run, but they didn't. Paul said, that's what I want you to do. I want you to do what I did. And as you go through the story, you see what Paul did. You have him doing exactly what he's been telling these people. He comes to, he gets in prison, they beat him, and what does he do? Rejoice in the Lord always, in every situation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Yes, they could have protested. Yes, they could have made a big stink about it. Yes, they could have fought the government. Yes, they could have. But instead, 
they realized God had something bigger at play. They realized that the Lord was in the middle of all of this circumstances that they had. They, they pray. They pray and talk to God about how difficult and hard it is, how much pain they're in. They thank God and praise God for the ability to still be able to be alive. And they kept their focus on the right things. They wanted an opportunity to share Christ with the whole community. And so one of the ways to do that was for them to go through difficult times, for them to go through adversity. And so Paul is then able to look at them and say, you want to know how to handle difficult times? You simply watch what I did and do what you saw me do. And can I talk to parents just for a second? Parents, you have little eyes right now that are watching how you handle the days ahead. And you are teaching as much by your response as you are by your words. And it is so important that they see in you a right response to everything that's going on right now because they're picking up on those clues. So back to our story. Um, let's talk about some things that, that, that will help us kind of as, as we go ahead uh, and as we go forward. Uh, just a couple of principles maybe to help us. One of the things is I, th I think you have to understand that when Paul and Silas found themselves in this situation, they saw the opportunities instead of the hardship. Um, Paul and them looked at this, Paul and Silas looked at this as an opportunity for the gospel to go forward. So they had no problem handling it with that in perspective. Uh, I, you know, as I think for Christians right now, what we're going through right now as a nation, as a country, as a world, I think this could be the finest hour for Christians. I think that if we handle this right, if people see us handling it with a calm and, an, and a, a uh, not being anxious and fearful and paranoid, I think it's going to speak volumes to a world. Paul here could have claimed his rights as a Roman citizen. Paul here could have fought, fought and said, you're not going to do that to me. I have a right. I have a right. But Paul doesn't. Why? Just what he says in Philippians chapter 4, let your moderation be known. Let your gentleness be known. And I don't know that this is the time to stand up and fight for rights, just like I don't think it was a time for Paul to stand up and fight for his rights. Instead, Paul saw the opportunity in front of him. And so I think it's, it, it allows us an opportunity um, to handle this in a way that, that, that honors God. And so Paul, instead of claiming his citizenship, uses his citizenship as a right, as a way to authenticate his message, actually. And I think that's a good principle for us as we, we go through it. I think the other thing you've got to understand is God's people go through tough times. Um, you can't, you, I mean, look, Paul, Paul ended up in, beaten and imprisoned because Paul had done that which was right. Um, and sometimes I see people so often that they're thinking, like, why are we going through this? How come this is happening to me? Why, why did I lose my job? Why, did it, why does my health go south? Why did it, and sometimes we forget that, you know what, as Christians, we're going to go through the same thing the world goes through. But the thing is, as we go through it, we have an opportunity to handle it in a way that shows people a confidence and a solid belief in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, as, we, as we try to put some pieces together to help us this week, um, a, a couple of things. 
I, I, two groups of people I, I, I want to focus on. First of all, those of you who are Christian. Um, I think this could be our finest hour. I think that the world needs to see people who know, who know how to handle adversity. Because we have the Lord. We, we, we have something the world doesn't have. We have someone that we can go to, that we can depend on, that we can cast our care on. We have someone that the world doesn't have. And I think it could be our finest hour. Henry, Henry Blackaby, um, in his book, Experiencing God, talks about this idea. He says, look, he said, you have to understand God is always at work around you. He said, the problem with most people is um, they don't look for places that God's at work. They're, they're doing their own program and their own thing, so they miss God so many times. And the one thing you see about Paul and Silas in this situation is when they get beaten and when they get thrown in prison, they saw God at work. They saw a bigger picture than how their rights and what they should do and how they should do it and why they should do it. Paul and they saw a bigger, they said, you know what, here's an opportunity. And as we sit in this dark prison, miserable and beaten and in pain and everything else, we're going to praise God. And the other prisoners are just shocked. Because they're handling it in a different way than everybody else would handle it. Because they're handling it with the help of God. And so I think there's a, there's a great opportunity, if you will, for us to be, to be compassionate, but to be bold. And, and I want to encourage you, those of you who are Christ followers, you're disciples of Jesus Christ, you put your faith and trust in Christ, please hear me now. Now is not the time to, to cower because of your Christianity. I have no problem telling anyone the reason I'm able to see this situation like I'm able to see this situation is because of Jesus Christ and my relationship with him. And so I don't think it's a time to um, be ashamed and to stand up and, and to be incredibly bold with um, our faith and, and our ability to, for God to help us through this. The second type of person, you're like the jailer. Um, you know, you just haven't needed God. You haven't had a place for God. God's not been that important in your life. Uh, you may be a nice person, but the reality of it is you, the whole Christian thing, the whole church thing, the whole religious thing, uh, you, you, you just don't want any part of that. You haven't needed that. You may see that as a crutch. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But what I want you to also understand is you don't have to stay that way. Um, you see, the, the issue that you have right now is that you have to figure out your own way to handle all this. You don't have a shelter or refuge to go to. You have to manufacture that. And one of the things that we're seeing in our culture right now is the ways in the past that people have, have propped themselves up have been stripped away. And so now there is an opportunity for you to really kind of think about your soul, to think about this issue of life and death. And now we have a whole culture, a whole world who is focused on death. And the reality of it is, it, none of us are going to escape it. All of us are going to die someday. The difference between someone who is a Christian and someone who is not is a Christian has realized that when they die, they're going to stand before God and they're going to have to give an account for why God should let them Spend eternity. And a Christian has realized that it's only because of Christ, it's not because of us. 
And so what I want you to understand is how important this really is. The Philippian jailer, all of a sudden, he came to a point where he realized this situation is overwhelming. I, I don't know what to do, but I know that those guys have what I don't have, and I want what they have. So he cries out, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? How can I have what you have? And Paul very simply says, it's pretty easy. You just have to believe. You just have to trust. You just have to put your trust and confidence in, in Jesus Christ, not in yourself. <clears throat> Jesus said it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is not just life when we die, but it's, 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 it's an eternal type life here. It's a way to live life here as well. And what he says is, he says, look, you, you need to understand. And, and when we talk about this, you know, again, the terms get confusing to people. We talk about born again or salvation or Christian or, or following Christ. It gets all fuzzy to some people. So let me make it really, really clear. The Bible says that we are all born sinners. In other words, our sin means that because we're sinners and because God is holy, we cannot get together. The sin is the problem between us and God. And there is no amount of cleaning yourself up that will take care of your sin. Because ultimately, God's standard is perfection. God's standard is holiness. And you will never, no matter how hard you work, and there are all kinds of religions and there's all kinds of, of things out there that say, you know, we'll just do this and jump through these hoops and maybe in the end God will weigh it all out and your good will be better than your bad. No, 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 it's perfection. And the Bible says that everybody who tries it is going to come short. Everybody tries to clean themselves up and be a great person and all these things. It's all going to come short of that holiness. And so because of that, God realized that. And it says, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God comes to this earth. That's the Christmas story. He lives 33 years sinless. So there's no reason for him to die because we die because of sin. And he dies sinless on the cross. And all of his righteousness, all of his holiness is now accessible to anyone who wants it. So God basically then goes to the cross. He dies. That's the Easter story. And he's resurrected. He comes out of the grave showing that death doesn't have power over him. Showing that death is dissolved because Jesus Christ has power over death. And so now Jesus Christ has, he has taken our sin upon him. He has become sin who knew no sin. And he now offers his righteousness to anyone who wants it. He doesn't give it away. He gives it to anyone who will accept it. It's important that you and I understand it must be a personal decision we make. No one makes it for us. And when the Philippian jailer said, what do I got to do? He says, believe. That's what you have to do. You have to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And that is so important for us to understand. So for me, I was a teenager, Detroit, Michigan. I just simply bowed my head and said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need a Savior. As best as I can, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want you to come into my heart. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I, want to, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to live for you. 
Lord, I want to change the direction of my life. And at that point, Jesus Christ became my Savior, and I now have a personal relationship with him. He is my heavenly Father. He is my refuge. He is always near. He will never leave me nor forsake me. It's not because of something I did. All I did was put my faith and trust in him. He's the one who paid the way for that. And I want to challenge you. Part of the reason everybody is so scared is because they don't have that confidence. So for me, as Paul said, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So I'm okay for the day that I stand before God. And so God looks at me and says, why should I let you into eternity with me? I'm going to look at him and say, because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And then the Philippian jailer does that, just as Lydia and some of the other people had. And then they were so passionate about it, they wanted the world to know that they were all in. The Bible says they, were, they said, can we get baptized? Because baptized was an all-in kind of statement. <laughs> it, salvation is a personal deal between you and God. Baptism is an outward sign to say to everyone, I want you to know I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am his disciple, and I want the world to know that. And so that's what they did. They were all in. They wanted everybody to know. And, and they made that statement. And Paul said, look, and, and here's the thing. You can do the same thing as well. You don't have to be in a church building. You can be anywhere, including your living room, and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I, I want to challenge you because that is so important. It is so important because the reality of it is we're talking about this virus and everything that's going on, but the reality of this is this. You don't know that you have the rest of this day. There are a lot of things that could take your life from this moment on, and you have to be ready for it. And so for us as a church, for some of your friends who you know who are part of this church, you need to know that is the most important thing to us. It's not about church. Church is not going to do anything for you. Religions, that's not going to do anything for you. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I, I, I want to challenge you. If you don't know how to do that, um, call me, text me, email me. Uh, talk to somebody you know who's part of this fellowship. We would love nothing more than to share with you what God has done in our lives. So I think there's lessons here. From Paul and Silas, I think there's lessons here from... Uh, from the Philippian jailer. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, please, 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 we want you to be able to have access to the abundant life that Jesus Christ offers. And you'll find that through it, you'll have the opportunity to have peace in the midst of chaos. And uh, that's what Paul and Christ were all about knowing that everyone has that kind of assurance. Every week I end with kind of a benediction, some people call it, or wrapping it up. So this morning, here it is. Paul tells the believers at Philippi to do life like he did. In Acts 16, he demonstrated what those principles looked like. Rejoice, no matter what your circumstances. Draw near to God so the world can see your gentleness, so they can see Christ in the way you respond. Pray with thanksgiving, even when you're in pain and things are difficult. Allow the peace of God to be seen by everyone. Focus your thoughts on stuff that will help you mentally, spiritually, 
and emotionally and be healthy for you. Filter out the stuff that's going to hurt you. And hopefully, through your testimony, people will want to follow the Christ who is real and who is genuine in your life. Um, let's pray. Lord, thanks for the time. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the lessons. Lord, it's one thing to hear. It's another thing to do. So, Lord, for those of us who are Christians, we know we have our faith and trust in you. That, Lord, I ask that you would help us. Give us courage and boldness. Would you help us during times that, Lord, our, our faith seems weak, that, Lord, we would turn back to uh, trusting you and, and putting our faith and trust in the idea, Lord, that you're going to continue to guide and take care of us. Lord, for those who may not have that kind of confidence, Lord, would you help them to understand this morning? the importance of being ready to leave this world. Lord, would you work in their hearts to help them to understand that there's nothing they can do to earn their way into your presence. That, Lord, it is only through accepting the gift of your son. So, Lord, may this be a life-changing day for them, and may you work in their lives as well. And uh, thank you for this time. These things we ask in your great and precious name. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up my uh, time with you. Um, next Sunday, uh, the world is going to celebrate uh, Easter. Um, I want to remind you that uh, Easter is not canceled. Uh, Satan tried that 2,000 years ago and failed, and uh, uh, so, you know, nothing's going to cancel Easter. Um, but I want to encourage you to think of some ways to maybe make it special for your family next week. Um, I'm going to be sending out some emails and, and some ideas and suggestions for you, and we're going to maybe try some things here as well. So let us know if we can help you. Um, we want to do what we can to be a blessing and encouragement to people during this time. And uh, I want to encourage you to serve somebody this week. Uh, do something. Reach out to help someone else so that you don't get caught up in this idea of making uh, this situation all about you. So, Lord willing, um, I will be uh, talking to you later uh, online, and uh, we'll uh, see you through video next week. Lord bless you. Have a great week.